Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, welcome back to the Tomahawk Take podcast. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me is Alan. Good day, everybody. And Fred. Happy World Championship holiday season, folks. Yeah, and it it is. We're getting into the holiday season now, but that's kind of where I wanted to start because I haven't been on the podcast since they won the World Series, had a lot of stuff going on since then. So I'm still living in the moment. And because shipping stuff is so delayed, my World Series gear is just now arriving and coming in. In fact, I'm just now starting to get some Championship Series stuff as well. So I'm not ready to let go of that World Series feeling. I'm still uh, holding on to that 2021 season, trying not to let go, trying not to get too caught up in the off season. But it is moving along rather quickly here. Again, it's almost Thanksgiving time. But but Alan, I'm still, I'm still living in the, the moment of everything that happened from the World Series, still feeling that high from from winning it all. Well, I, I tell you, I'm I'm kind of in that boat with you there. I'm I, I've been still trying to find some Braves gear to buy that I I want because <laughs> uh, all all they've got right now still is these things that are sort of generic, and then they add the right logo to whoever's uh, won the World Series. I I just recoil at the idea of getting that kind of stuff. Uh, my wife has implored me to get a, uh, a a sweatshirt, a new one, because the last one she got with the Braves stuff on it was from 1995, and it was a, a nicely embroidered one, and it's held up great over the years. But I can't find an embroidered sweatshirt yet uh, on the market, so I'm, I'm still looking for that kind of stuff. So as for me, I ended up getting a bunch of iron-on patches, and I'm going to create my own shirt with a, a whole bunch of World Series references on them. And about half of that stuff's arrived at this point, so we're going to, we're still working on it. It's a work in progress. Yeah, Brad, you you spend plenty of money on uh, on World Series gear, or are you you keeping pretty low? I I spent some money. I bought I bought myself and my son a, a World Series hat, and I bought my daughter-in-law, and my wife, uh, um, shirts and. Uh, a, sweatshirts and things and if you ha- if you want to pick up your phone let me get that text text number up here uh let me see if you'll get back to this for john if you'll text eight five three one one to um or text eight chipper to eight five three one one dugout mugs will send you a world championship ch- uh well, they call it a knob shot glass. It's a knob of baseball bat, shot glass in the middle, World Championship Braves, and it's free from dugout mugs. Thirty bucks, thirty bucks if you buy one, um, but it's free if you text text Chipper to eight five three one one. So why would that's, you that's pay a, for something you could get for free? Yeah, and that's the non generic <laughs> thing for you there. I don't know what you do with the shot glass, but hey, it's a nice thing to have. I've got mine coming, and I'm going to buy some more stuff here as soon as I can decide what's the stuff that I'm never going to use. I, I want to buy. 
Yeah, exactly. And we're just trying to help the team buy and spend more this offseason to try and do it all again, right? So just uh helping out the cause here. But yeah, still living in the moment, the glory of winning a World Series. Don't ever want to let that that feeling go. But things are ramping up quickly as we talked about in the offseason. So a lot to get into for sure. And obviously the biggest thing everybody wants to talk about right now is Freddie Freeman and you know, I have to say, because this is off season and stuff happens quickly, we're recording this on a Thursday night. I hope a deal gets done sometime soon, but it may get, maybe it gets done before uh, we get the podcast out. But as things stand on Thursday night, there's still no deal. Uh, look at that rhyming. Um, there's not a deal yet for Freddie Freeman. The latest rumors we're hearing, and both of these rumors come from two of the most unreliable sources in the business, but you have, uh, Bob Nightingale saying that there was an offer for five and one thirty, and then you have John Heyman saying that the hangup right now is a sixth year. Um, so that's the latest that we've heard this week so far. I find it, I find hard of those, both of those kind of hard to believe. Uh, if the six years, the hangup, just give it to them. Like, I mean, uh, that should not be a big deal. I would think if that was the issue that it would already be done, I thought it would more so be Freddie trying to get a seventh year. Uh, but it sounds like, again, according to Heyman, that a six year is what is hanging things up right now. But Alan, I'll go to you first. Just your, your latest thoughts, feelings on Freddie Freeman, uh, re-signing with the Braves. I was just trying to figure out how many uh, shirts I'd have to buy in order to get uh, <laughs> enough money here. Uh, A lot. I hope I hope this is not just about the six year. Uh, let's let's start with that five one thirty thing. That's I I think that was Paul Goldschmidt's contract, which yes should have been the baseline of what we're talking about. But number one, that's a couple of years ago. And uh, number two, I think Freddie has already shown that he's got the, uh, let's say a little bit more longevity, a little more chance to, to outlive his normal aging or the aging that you've been seeing of a lot of these athletes that have been trailing off towards the end of some of these longer uh, term contracts. And I, I, Got to think that he, he's good for six or seven at least. I, you know, would I send him to, to age 40? Probably not, but, uh, age 38? Yeah, I think that, uh, that, that would be reasonable. He, I mean, Freddie Freeman's a guy that goes to the post every day. He shows up. He works hard. He is an inspiration for the rest of his team. We had obviously the hardest working infield in baseball this year. Probably missed what? About 10 games combined with all of them. Uh, or, or so, maybe 12. So this is a guy who inspires his team to, to do the work, to put the effort in, and he does it himself, and he's his performance speaks for itself. He is so consistent. you got to give this guy the sixth year. Now, beyond that, the, the question is how many dollars, and I, I don't know, of course, what – exactly they're talking about in, in that kind of a stratosphere. These are numbers that I'm definitely not familiar with in my daily life. But at the same time, we're we're already seeing a lot of free agent pitchers go five, seven-year contracts, and that's shocking in and of itself. But if you're going to see people giving five- and seven-year contracts to pitchers, you've got to give a, at least a six-year to a first baseman, for crying out loud, uh, especially for one that uh, already holds an MVP, gold gloves, silver sluggers. I mean, what are you waiting on? This is a guy you can't replace. 
a guy that is your de facto team captain, give him the money. You've got it. You're, you're making money, uh, by virtue of the fact that the team he's on has won a World Series, been in the playoffs four years straight. Let's get this done. Let's stop screwing around. Let's get it done. Yeah. And it, again, you talked about it. I don't worry about Freddie Freeman, you know, over the next five or six years. He may lose some power, but he is, he is going to hit. Like I have no, I have no doubt that he's going to hit. You know, at least 280 over the next five or six years. He is just, you know, that good of a hitter. Again, the power may come down, the home runs may come down, the doubles may come down, but he's going to hit. I mean, I have no, no question about that. But, um, Fred, I mean, your thoughts on it, you know, are you worried about a sixth year and what are you kind of thoughts on the dollars as well? Well, I, I think the years is the problem, but I, I said back in September that, uh, seven at 174, with a $10 million signing bonus would guarantee him 185, but it's 30.8 million AAV and you front load the contract with, uh, three thirties, uh, to get him there. Um, Tim, uh, Tim Dirk slapped me around for suggesting that a superstar player's option years and he's right. So you're just going to give him the seventh year and you're going to push his AAV up to something like 200. And if you want to front load it so that you're not dropping off. 30 million at the back end and you're, you're happy with dropping off 25. Fine. But, uh, I think that uh, first of all, the current value of a dollar is always more in the future value. So it, the 30 million in seven years is not going to be what worth what the 30 million is now. And I'm not sure that's an issue, but I think, I think seven at 200 is probably the, uh, is probably the number. And if the Braves won't do that, then they should go slam their head in the door because they're forgetting what he does, Alan said, besides play first base and swing the bat. And I, you know, I never thought six years was a problem. I think it's, a, I think there, if, the, if there isn't a problem with years, it's seven. And I think the money's, you know, 175, 185 at six and maybe 200 at seven. And that, that's a big drop off at the end. But then by that time, he's already made a quarter, quarter billion dollars and probably doesn't need the other five million. I, I just don't see it as a problem. People say he's not coming back. He's going to LA. He's going to San Francisco. Well, he's not going to San Francisco because Belt went back there. The Yankees have been in touch with him. Um, I don't think Freddie wants to do that. If Freddie wanted to do that, he'd be a Yankee now because they've already been in touch. So I, I think that, uh, I think he comes back and I think it's going to be something like that. Six one seventy five, seven one eighty five, something like that. Um, eight one eighty five to two hundred. Probably, I think one eighty five, one ninety, because I think they can. That two hundred is probably the the top of that. He'll give a little discount for that. But he wants years, I'm sure. Seven years, give it to him. Write the check today. Yeah, I mean, he, he's made it pretty clear he doesn't want to put on another uniform, but it takes two to tango, as they say. And you know, Alex has to step up and give him the the years of length that he's wanting to make sure that he does stay in Atlanta for the rest of his career. And I like your, your thought about front loading the deal. Um, you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier, uh, to, to handle late in a player's career. If you're, you know, paying them 20, 25 million as opposed to 30 million. So, you know, I feel like he's still going to play at an MVP level at least the next two or three years. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be some decline at some point. You don't want to continue to be paying them 30 million for those years, but the Braves are also in a window to win for the next three or five years with the young guys that they have. And I mean, I think you do that with Freddie Freeman. I should say continue to win. They are the world series champs. 
So, I mean, they're still in that window. I think you have to have Freddie Freeman on board to continue to get that done. So, uh, you know, I think we're all on the same page here. Give them the money. Of course, it's not our money, but, you know, what Freddie Freeman brings to the team, as you both have pointed to, you know, just off the field, what he brings in the clubhouse, the work ethic he brings to the rest of the team is being invaluable, and not to mention the merchandise. We, we talked about all the, you know, the merchandise that we bought from the World Series. There are a ton of people just sitting there waiting for this contract to get done so they can buy their Freddie Freeman for life jerseys. I mean, he is, he sells a ton of merchandise. He makes the team a lot of money. So, uh, I mean, for me, this isn't a, this isn't a tough decision. Give the man what he deserves. Give the man what he wants. I don't know why it's taking so long, but I'll, I'll ask uh, one more thing of both of you and then we'll move on. And Alan, I'll start with you. Does this get done before Thanksgiving? And what is your, what is your gear and dollar figure? There, I, I'm actually, I'll go do the latter part first. And I am entirely with Fred that I think, uh, something on the order of seven and 200 is, is probably one of those numbers, maybe six, 180, um, uh, would, would suffice, but, uh, I would like to see seven and 200. So that I think represents his worth and where his worth to the organization and, and certainly, uh, uh, acts as a commitment. The other aspects of it that uh, could affect what's going on is number one, uh, what kind of negotiations may be going on behind the scenes for maybe an Austin Riley extension, or although I think it may be still a little bit too soon for him, or a uh, Max Fried extension. Those kind of things coming up are, are going to affect what the Braves are going to have to spend in the future as well. And that's why I do think front-loading a contract for Freddie makes all the world all the sense in the world as well. Ronald Acuna is going to get a $10 million bump on his deal that's already in place coming up in 2022. So there are escalator clauses that are uh, affecting the budget overall. Uh, I think they can still afford this. But uh, you, you've got to wonder what you're going to do about this core. Do you want to try and lock up Riley? Do you want to lock up Freed? Uh, what are you going to do about some of these other places or other guys? Dansby Swanson is one of them, of course. He's not going to command that kind of uh, coin that the other two might. But uh, at the same time, you've, you've still got to make a decision about him. So th- there's a lot of things in play probably. Uh, and that that's increasing the complexity, but at the same time, they've been talking about this the, literally the entire year. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that started back way way back before spring training, I'm certain. So I don't think there's anything anybody doesn't understand about this. And if if the Braves were waiting on uh, market conditions to fall out to, to figure out if they could maybe save a buck or two. Mm, sorry, that ship has sailed. Uh, you're not going to save a buck or two here. You, now you've got to go ahead and commit to, to get it done. Um, the other thing that we'll have to deal with, but it's a, a relative minor issue, is that uh, on, on Friday uh, is the deadline, or by the time you hear this, was the deadline for protecting long-term minor leaguers on your 40-man roster to be protected against the Rule 5 draft. The Braves have protected four, and that has filled their 40-man roster. So at the moment, they can't add anybody, whether his name's Freddie Freeman or anybody else. There are some guys you can uh, take off uh, in deference to Freddie, and certainly you'd want to <laughs> if you're going to get him signed. Uh, 
but there's other things that could go on too. So, you know, whether it's trades, uh, that I think may be inevitable this off season or, or anything like that, but that's still a, an administrative thing that have to get done. It's, it's, it's relatively a nitpick thing. So your, your overall question was, does this get, does this get done before the CBA expires or before Thanksgiving? I don't think it's going to get done before Thanksgiving at this point, but I do think that December 1st is kind of a hard date for a lot of teams about a lot of players. And I do think that, uh, we ought to pay attention around November 29th or 30th, somewhere in there. And, and let's see how that goes. All right, Fred, same, same question to you. I know you've already given the years and dollars that you think, but do you think it gets done before Thanksgiving or do you think it gets done before uh, December 1st? I'm closer to Alan. I think I think that the December 1st date isn't as important for a guy like Freeman as it is for everybody else unless the teams are hearing there's going to be a lock, a, a trade or transfer lock after the 1st of December because the CBA expires. If they do freeze all transactions, the team will want to get it done before then, and that would make, yes, the 29th, the 30th, November uh, the date. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not in that loop, obviously. <laughs> Nobody is. But I'm, uh, I heard a couple of people who should know say that uh, the teams are expecting to have a lockout, a transaction freeze, a lockout. They don't expect that to last to spring training. Well, if you're going to do that, you're talking about, uh, hey, let's not do anything over Christmas or New Year's. Then we'll get back to work in January and fix this. So right. that's, that's sort of what it sounds like to me. Uh, I think that, I think, as I said before, seven at 200 is probably it. And, and as Alan said, they've known all year what Freddie's number is. They've known that. This isn't a negotiation. He told them, here's the number. Find out how you get me to that number and we'll be fine. And I'm, you know, I don't know why they haven't done this. I, I can't imagine that it, that's any kind of, any kind of money thing for this. Uh, but, th- Freddie, if you've read Chipper's book and you read Smoltz's book, they give him the number, get told the agent what they wanted, and he said, when he hits that number, sign me. And they haven't done that yet. So at that, that's, that's, they haven't got to that number of, the, of years and dollars that make sense to him. When they hit that number, he's going to grab a pen and sign. Uh, that's what he's going to do. Yeah, I guess where I am, too, is, you know, kind of what Alan said. This has gone on far too long. Um, and both sides know, or at least the Braves know what Freddie wants and it's time to, it's time to pay up. I mean, the things have not changed. We've been in these discussions for a long time now and, you know, Freddie's clearly not backing down, nor should he. And the Braves know what he wants and the Braves, the Braves almost need Freddie more than Freddie needs the Braves. I mean, Freddie could probably go out and get more elsewhere. And the Braves need Freddie. I mean, it would be very bad PR if they let Freddie go, um, because I think he probably would take less money to be here than he would anywhere else. So the Braves know what he wants. I don't think they want, I hope they don't want this to drag out anymore. Nothing's going to change on the matter. Let's get it done before Thanksgiving. I, I'm saying it's going to get done next Monday or Tuesday, so the 22nd or 23rd. Um, mainly saying that because I hope it doesn't get done till after we post this podcast. But I am, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to predict that it gets done before Thanksgiving. Um, because then, you know, everybody enjoy the holidays and then nothing's really going to happen after that. Cause then you're like two or three days before the lockout's going to start. Um, 
so I think they get it done next Monday or Tuesday. I think it is going to be six years, 180, 185 million, uh, is probably what I, what it will be, what it probably should be. Uh, so that's my prediction. I think it gets done next Monday or Tuesday, but, but we talked about it a little bit, but I, I wanted to get more into it. And that is the lockout because, you know, Rob Manford came out on Thursday and said some things and, uh, made it sound like, you know, we are, most likely, definitely heading towards a lockout. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like there's going to be um, games lost. Certainly, that's the hope. Uh, I don't think either side wants to see that happen. You know, the game is in a really good place right now to you know miss games to um, you know to not have that. I think would be a a huge blow to the sport that I just don't know that they can take right now. Um, so I, I just don't see that happening, but a lockout definitely looks like it's going to happen, Alan. And like I said, Fred, it sounds like that's going to be, you know, a complete freeze of transactions, which means, you know, we won't have winter meetings. We won't have the rule five draft right away. You won't have, you know, trade signings for a while, which is going to make for a very slow and boring off season. Cause like, like Fred said, they're, they're probably just not going to pick it back up until after the holiday season either way. So uh, I think if they do lock out, you know, we're probably looking at a, you know, pretty, pretty cold December, maybe even part of January. Um, but, you know, Alan, your just thoughts on where it's going. You know, you see a lockout coming. Um, how bad is it going to be? Do you see the season getting delayed because of all this? I don't yet, at least. I'd like to think that this is merely a, I mean, every, each side tries to do leverage and they get leverage wherever they can. And right now the only leverage that the other side really has is to be able to, to institute this lock, lockout. And what it essentially does is forces the players to be in limbo, uh, especially the free agents, the, the free agents that are looking for teams or that want uh, a place to land. Uh, yeah. That's still not going to affect the top end of the the market. They're, those guys are going to still eventually get paid. They're still going to get their teams. They're just going to have to, you know, chill a bit until they can get things settled. But it, it's also a way to get the teams, or not the teams, but the two sides negotiating at the table uh, seriously. So far, there have been some, you know, public comments about various uh, proposals uh mostly coming from the ownership side uh they've been interesting but also non-starters so at this point they are not negotiating in my mind in good faith uh either side really and it's going to take some drastic measures and sometimes that's just the calendar to get things moving i don't think either side really wants to lose games i don't think either side wants to impact uh, spring training or, or normal off-season kinds of operations, but inevitably, when these things happen, you're you're going to uh, get a dent in it. How long should this last? Boy, I'd love to say um, it would be the month of December, and they'd be settled by Christmas and ready to go in the new year. My suspicion is that uh, with the way the acrimony has uh, been, it's going to go into January, maybe January 10th or so. 10th or 15th and it's going to be a very busy end of January and early part of February to get all the rest of the off season work done. But 
that's the way they usually work. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to it either. I think it's detrimental to the sport and I, I think it does, it chews away at fans' goodwill, but it is also the way they conduct business. So, uh, there, there you go. There's my Debbie Downer assessment. <laughs> Well, I mean, the bright side for Braves fans is they're coming off a World Series championship. So if this is the last time baseball's ever played, at least the Braves won the last <laughs> World Series, right? Um, but no, I don't think that's going to be the case. But I want to read the quote from Rob Manfred. He said, I can't believe there's a single fan in the world who doesn't understand that an offseason lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. Manfred uh, really talking about the intelligence of fans apparently there um he said as whether the side still had hope of hammering out a new cba before december 1st manfred manfred said the league was committed to continuing to offer proposals and suggestions in an effort to get an agreement before that date but acknowledged that time is becoming an issue and fred time certainly is an issue i don't see any way there's any kind of agreement before december 1st meaning a lockout is almost certainly coming yeah, I, I'm all for putting Clark and Manfred in a room and the one who walks out breathing wins. I, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, these, these people, for, for a, a, a sport that has all of this goodwill and all of this money and is just def, by definition, more people see this sport than any other sport in the country. And still, these two people can't agree or these two sides can't agree. Union wants to get back up to that 51%. And while there are economists out there, and I can't pull the quote right now because I just looked for it, who say, you know, yeah, that the number, the physical number may be different, but the actual number is still the same. And I don't know how that works. I'm not a mathematician, so don't yell at me. But, 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 you know, I think this is all in how you cut it. And I'm going to tell you that a lockout is a labor dispute. Any way that, um, any way that Manford wants to cut that, uh, and, and the, the, Suggestions that the leagues made, uh, they, they suggested that players' salaries be escalated based on war. Uh, 20 years plus ago, uh, Bud Zelligal suggested that players be paid according to performance. And the league stomped on that and squished it like a bug. And what do you think they're going to do with this pr- proposal? It was, it was dead on arrival. These, the, the, they send out these BS proposals, both sides, both sides send out BS proposals, and it makes you wonder if they're actually talking inside that room or they're sitting there smoking a cigar and drinking, drinking some good whiskey and saying, well, we got that public turned up. We're going to do make really generate some interest on this. Uh, I don't know what they're doing, but they're not doing baseball any good. Neither side is doing baseball any good. The player, the union's not doing the, play, the players any good. The, the, the league is not doing the teams or the players any good, and that's your job. Your job is to make money for the for MLB, and you don't do that when this this fight is going on. The, there's no, oh, I forgot who this was. Maybe it was Ryan Spielberg the other day or Brad Lidge. There's no there's no middle income. The the middle income part of baseball has vanished. You have highly paid players and and people in the first six years, and there's nobody in between. And that's you know that creates no middle class. It's just a bad distribution of the money in the game. And the union is run by the rich players. It is. Uh, and the reason the way they want the, the base, base salary raised is because that pushes the salary of the players at the top up. But if you don't do something about competitive balance and, and, and equalizing 
the, the, the teams that win, keeping teams from tanking for 20 years, hello, Pittsburgh and Baltimore and, and places like that, until you get teams that aren't trying to win out of the damn game, then you're going to continue to have this. And I just don't think either side wants to do that. Um, uh, my, we used to say in the military, nothing ever gets done without a suspense state. Well, suspense state's coming first of December, and they ain't going to be done, and nobody's going to get fired over it, and the fans and the, and the game is going to suffer for it. So uh, I, I just, boy, the, both sides, it's got me so spitting mad, they wouldn't want to talk to me in a private room, I tell you that. Yeah, and we all saw this coming when you go back to 2020 and just the way that they botched. You know, that it wasn't even a labor dispute, <laughs> just trying to come together to play a, a game. <laughs> I mean, it was just uh, it was so frustrating, you know, watching all of that play out. And you just knew it was going to carry over into this offseason as well, which is why I'm so glad the Braves won the World Series. And we have that to kind of hold on to to get us through this, because it's going to be a a bumpy ride for sure. Uh, well, again, the, league, both, the union still got this grievance against the league for not score, not scheduling enough games in 2020. I mean, she was guys. That was a year and a half ago. Let it go. Get on. Yeah. Let's go forward, not backward. But the league's not going to do anything until that grievance is settled. And I don't think the union will either. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, it's just it's an it's an absolute mess. It's hurting the game for sure. You hate to see it. Um, but let's just. Let's just hope we don't have a pause or a delay to the season. That's really all I'm wishing for, hoping for at this point. Um, but with the way these two sides work and quote-unquote negotiate, uh, who knows what's going to happen. But it's going to be a long, cold, uh, frustrating offseason for sure. To, uh, let's try to bring the positive momentum back here a little bit and talk about TV revenue because that could be getting better for the Atlanta Braves. And uh, Fred, I know you want to talk about this, but I'll give you a second to breathe here, and I'll go to I'll go to Alan first. Just your um, you know your thoughts on the Braves TV revenue revenue com- uh, possibly picking up here in the next couple of years, and hopefully the Braves payroll is going up as well. Well, they've already announced that the payroll will be increased for 2022. Haven't said how much. They never do say how much, but uh, there is some room between where they're at right now, which was essentially record levels at the end of the year, to the luxury tax threshold, which is still uh, quite a ways away. The Braves have been ranking typically in the about the 15th, 14th kind of range in terms of total spending in, in the league. I don't know exactly how that uh, came out this year, but somewhere between 10th and 15th would probably be reasonable because they added about 10-ish million at the trade deadline uh, to what they had started with. Now, all that said, we've got some improvements coming. When the, when the Braves renegotiated their uh, TV deal back in 2014, they were telling us that it could mean an additional half billion dollars over the lifetime of the of the contract. That was a contract that was originally going to expire around 2027 with the old uh, Peachtree Network and and Fox Sports. Those have been redealt, uh, redone, and apparently there's some escalator clauses in there that uh, Fred will tell you about. But the fact is that. Uh, the Braves are looking at some additional revenues uh, coming in the future, and there may be some 
other interesting little perks coming uh, as uh, the current holders of the net of the regional sports networks, the Bally Group, uh, Sinclair actually uh, running the Bally Sports uh, channels, may be having some difficulties. So at, with that point, I'll, I'll see if our friends recovered. We got them some oxygen, and then we'll uh, see what we can do from there. <laughs> They had a press conference for uh, Liberty Media, and uh, Greg Mahaffey was out there, and one of the uh, asked if they were going to be selling the Braves. David Farber of CNBC asked if it was a good time to sell the Braves, and he said, nope, not sellers. Move along. Uh, he said, first of all, it's a bad tax time to do it. We'd, we'd certainly be messing up our taxes if we did it. And secondly, we don't have any intention of selling, so next question, please, essentially. He was nicer than that, but that's what he essentially what he said. Uh, they they did discuss possibilities of you know potentially uh, Liberty Media spinning the Braves off into its own public publicly held company, um, but he said but that would still be within within the purview of Liberty somehow. Um, and the TV deal he told he told the reporters there that the TV deal. Will increase from about 80 million a year to 100 million a year in in 2023, and that it would go up to about 120 million by 2027, and that's all as a result of what Alan mentioned, the renegotiation in 2014 when when the Braves were in this when Peachtree was bowing out of the system, and the Braves were in this negotiation and Liberty Media used their influence as a media company to convince Fox to push these numbers up a little bit. Over the over the length of the co- uh, the contract, and most of that kicked in. Well, some of that kicked in right away, but the large majority of it kicked in at the end uh, because that was that was a part of the contract. I think that was still uh, maybe an option of some kind. I don't remember the exact wording of that right now. But right, but as it stands right now, we're going to be at a, at a hundred million of uh, TV money in 2023 and up to 120 million um, by 2027. And just to make you feel good, uh, the Dodgers uh, pulled in $237 million in TV money last year. So that's where, that's sort of where the, uh, where the system is right now. And to Alan's point, the Braves finished the season 11th and in 11th in uh, total payroll at, uh, with $153,112,625. That's the highest we've been in a long time, uh, and it's going to go up. But then, so is everybody else's. Uh, the um, uh, this TV contract thing. Uh, uh, Alan mentioned that uh, Sinclair owns Bally. Uh, he didn't mention that Sinclair is uh, uh, gushing money like a Texas oil well, and <laughs> they um, <laughs> they're in trouble. The, a lot of the Sinclair stations, a lot of the sports networks, the dish doesn't cover, carry them anymore. I don't know whether DirecTV does or not, but uh, they're, the, the Sinclair station here in town, one of the Sinclair stations in town, is no longer being broadcast on the on dish network. They're losing all kinds of uh, you know, income money from these from the cable companies and the satellite companies, and the company the company itself is in really bad shape. And if you think back to when, in 2019, 18 to 19, when the negotiations were going on for the bidding for the sports networks, Liberty Media were in on that, uh, and Sinclair bid stupid money, and they got it, and now Liberty Media is sitting around and, and said, well, you know, we'll just wait, stand around, wait for them to fall on their face, and we'll pick them up. They made a comment here that I want to read to you um, about out of this. It's from the AJT piece by Tim Tucker. Uh, in today's uh, Land of Journal Constitution, uh, it, it says that um, 
We can. Uh, this is from uh, Schiller talking to the uh, press. He said, we continue to believe that direct-to-consumer TV is critical to our future. And he's talking about Liberty Media's future there. And we are actively engaged with MLB in developing what the future of streaming baseball looks like and streaming sports looks like. Because um, ML, MLB's, uh, MLBAM, the people that run the um, – MLB TV service, they already stream games for other sports. Um, most people don't understand it. But back, but back when, they, when MLB, MLBAM got sued, it came out that uh, they, were, they were actually doing the screening mechanisms for some of the other sports that are being streamed out there as a subcontractor to those folks. So if this all comes about, it could be a windfall for the Braves. Uh, it would certainly be – it would certainly lift – the uh, problem with people who live uh, in Braves country but are blocked out from their games because their particular cable provider doesn't doesn't show it. Show it. Um, Mamper said he wants to get that done pretty quickly. I'm not sure how quickly that's going to be, but certainly 2023 is the date he's shooting for. And if he gets that done, um, I, I just think that Liberty's going to have. They're in this up to their neck in terms of uh, profitability. And when you talk about profitability for a for a team that owns part of a television network, understand that sure the team gets paid for televising the games, but they're paying the company that owns them. So when they when they go out as as part owner of that company, they get part of the earnings back. It's double dip. It's what the Yankees do. It's what the Mets do. It's what the Dodgers do. It's what the Cubs do. They get they double dip that money. So it it makes. Uh, all that kind of sense for Liberty to own broadcast rights to the Braves games and to uh, to uh, pay take, to pay the Braves for the games and pay them part of the money they earn from watching the games. The whole thing boils boils down to Liberty paving the way to to provide more money to the team to continue raising pr- uh, payroll and continue to uh, bring good players and keep the good players in Atlanta and write Freddie Freeman check, please. <laughs> yes, please. Um, I, I, Again, I don't know if I was able to keep up with necessarily all of that, but all I want to know is, can I please watch the Braves on YouTube TV next year or any other kind of you know streaming service? I mean, I, I felt like I was having to become an illegal hacker in order to try to find the Braves game uh, through a streaming uh, service last year. I mean, it was... It was tough sledding all year long because I have YouTube TV and I they don't have Valley Sports, so I wasn't able to watch Braves games and I had to go through a VPN to be able to do it, you know, on MLB TV. It's just make it easier for your fans to watch their team. I just I just I don't get it, but hopefully through what all you're talking about, hopefully that's going to get better for at least Braves fans going forward. But at the very least, it sounds like uh, the Braves could be benefiting financially, which is always good. Uh, cause it looks like the, uh, it looks like the, the payroll is going to continue to go up. Like I said, it finished about 153 million last year. Um, looking to go up already. Uh, the Braves have already signed a player. I guess we should at least mention that they signed a backup catcher in Manny Pena for two years and eight million dollars. So they locked down the backup catcher position there. Um, I, I guess, Alan, do you have any, any thoughts on Manny Pena, that signing? I don't know if that, kind of caught you off guard or not. I thought maybe William Contreras would start the year as a backup because you know Langoliers is going to get all the starts in AAA, uh, but they decided to go out and get Manny Pena. The Braves have a bit of an in- interesting timing dilemma in terms of Contreras and and Langoliers. Uh, the, the trick is going to be, do you 
keep them as backups when they really are everyday catchers, or do you go ahead and use them some other way? Uh, at the same time, you don't want to drive Travis Darnot into the ground, especially in a hot Atlanta summer. So the idea of getting Manny Pena, I think, is a brilliant one. Uh, the the kind of money they gave him also tells me what they intend is is almost a a total platoon of the catching position. You know what we saw a couple of years ago was Tyler Flowers uh, mixed with Darno or others or you know shoot I'm forgetting the name is our, our former catchers but yes yeah, Suzuki in particular I was thinking of so you, you had that tandem of guys who could hit but they needed a break fairly consistently. And when you use them in tandem that way, they were hitting a ton. Manny Pena has the ability to hit a ton. So does Travis Darnot, but you can't use them every day that way. So using them like that, I think, has the ability to, to build a two-headed catcher that's going to have the output of, oh, say, a JT Real Muto or better. So I think that's what they're trying to get at. And I, I think it's a brilliant move. They, uh, the only eye-opener for me was that they, they gave him a lot of money to do it, but at the same time, it sounds like one of those Alex Anthopoulos moves where he had a guy in mind, he targeted him, and he wanted him to sign like today, and that's so they gave him the money to do that, and, and that's, uh, I, I think, going to pay some dividends as, as we see in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think part of it's reactionary, too, with the fact that, once Travis went down in 2021, it was a mess at the catcher position. So, you know, this gives you a little bit more depth and reliability there. If something were to happen to Travis, and as we've mentioned several times, something typically does happen to Travis. It's just, you know, unfortunate he's very injury prone. But now you have somebody in Pena who can step up immediately and, you know, either feel it as a starter or perhaps if Contreras or Lang- Langoliers is ready at that time, um, then they step up and can split those duties. But, you know, at least having somebody, a veteran like Pena around, I think is very smart after what happened to the Braves this past season. And, you know, Pena is very good defensively. He'll run into some home runs as well. So, you know, certainly a very solid, capable backup and somebody that who, who could fill in for Darno, you know, on a more regular basis if he were to get injured. But, Fred, your thoughts on the signing? It's a great signing. He's a he's a superior defensive catcher, as you said. He's he he did wonders with the Milwaukee uh, uh, ro- rotation. He hit 13 homers in 208 PA this year. That's that's pretty good. I mean, that's a 40 homer season over 162 games. And he he drove in a lot of runs. He got hits with runners on base. He had 33 33 RBI. That's 20 other people's runs. 20 people he knocked in as a catcher. Um, okay, he didn't have a high batting average, but he slugged 439, and he was mm-hmm. on base just under 300, uh, just under 30 percent of the time. And if you're a catcher and you're catching every other game, and you're supplying uh, half of a 20 homer 20 homer package, uh, that's really good. He was a one and a half win catcher for them, and he and he only hit 189. So that tells you how how good his defense was. And I I didn't I don't know have his throwing stuff in front of me and and Jake you watched Brewers more than I did maybe you know I mm. I recall Pena's having a good arm yeah uh, he does and, and he he quick release and this year he was on um, he was on Sirius XM uh, talking to Spielberg's and Lidge the other day and he said that uh, he 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 found out 
late in life because he's 34. He found out late in life that if he'd start letting the ball get deeper and get into that strike zone, he could hit it a lot harder. <laughs> and suddenly that's, that's why he got, he came up with all these home runs. Um, it, catchers do tend to do that though. They figure out, figure it out uh, as far as hitters, uh, for power late. But I think it's a good sign. I, I also think it makes Contreras expendable. I, I, I yes. just don't see, I don't see, uh, a, a path for him because Langelliers is going to get the catching duties at AAA. And if something happens to Travis, uh, let me say that, when something happens to Travis next year, mm-hmm. uh, Langelliers is going to get his chance. And I, I think that once he gets a taste of the majors, it's going to be awfully hard to get him out of the, out of Atlanta. I, I, Langelliers to me is Posey to the Giants in 2008, 2009, whenever that was, 2009. I think Langelius is, is that good, and uh, I think that makes Contreras a, a nice target uh, or a nice piece this winter uh, to fill in places. Of course, we're not going to do anything while the lockout's going on, uh, but I, I just think that moving forward quickly, um, like Alan suggested, uh, my uh, Tim Dirk said something in the newsletter about the teams that go for upside quickly tend to be the winners, and they picked on the Braves and Dodgers for doing that. And I think that that's that's the mo. And like you said, he wanted him. He went out and paid what it works, and he'll worry about filling that. So the Pena played third base one game, and he's played some outfield the minor leagues. He's not completely inept in emergencies around the thing, and we're going to have the DH, I hope, uh, so that we can stop all this argument. But uh, I just think it was a great sign, um, and I think it bodes that tells us that uh, we we heard from multiple sources that the season, the World Series, wasn't over before Alex was on the phone, burning up the phone lines, talking about players he might need, and finding out what the price was. I think teams want to get them done before the first of December, uh, and they don't want to be forced into paying too much money in February. And the pitchers want to get it done so they have a place to go. They don't want to be rushing to spring training at the last minute and meeting the catcher for five minutes then the series season started. So I think this is all part of a package. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a shift a little bit in the way that we've done business to let's load up now for the season and not, not wait till the last minute so much because we are the champions and we need to come out strong, uh, and in all positions next year. Yeah, certainly like that mentality as well. And as we know, Alex has been very aggressive early in off season. So expect more moves before that lockout happens. Yeah. I, I, in fact, make- I, I tell you, in fact, I was thinking the, the day Peeney was signed is like, okay, how many days is it going to be until Contreras is traded? Because uh, he would certainly headline a, a nice package for something that the Braves really need. So we're still waiting on that deal, but uh, I think we can still continue to look for it. Cause I, I, think that uh, Fred's right. He is uh, definitely expendable now. Yeah, Sorry. like Fred said. Carry on. No, like, no, like Fred <laughs> said, too, I think it's, it's going to be hard for a lot of trades to happen right now. Um, I don't. I see a lot of signings happening before the lockout, but not necessarily trades. Uh, I could be wrong on that. But, yeah, William definitely becomes expendable because when the, when the signing happened, because, like I said, I thought Contreras you know, could have started the season at the backup. That would have been, you know, okay. Um, but – I really didn't understand sending him back to AAA where, you know, Langelliers is going to get the majority of the at-bats. Obviously, you have the DH at AAA, too. So, I mean, you can 
kind of divvy those up and still get the at bats. But and they picked up Trump too. They've got they got Trump down there as a catcher as well that that they like apparently. I mean, just there's just catchers everywhere down there now. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and like like you said, Alan. I mean, Contreras could be you know be a very solid value because there are a lot of teams that just don't have a lot of you know catchers right now that they can rely on. So could be a very could be a very solid trade chip for them. Uh, just a couple of news items before we get out of here. Um, the Braves added Drew Waters, Freddie Tarnock, William Woods, and Brooke Wilson to the 40-man roster ahead of the deadline to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. A couple of notable names that weren't protected, uh, Daisville Hernandez, Trey Harris, Justin Dean, uh, Thomas Burroughs, and Grayson Janista. Um, don't maybe maybe one of those guys i think burrows could be taken but it wouldn't be a huge loss but he has been kind of knocking on the door for several years now um but again nothing that really major there that the braves you know will be too concerned about losing right there um but i think that was all the news that i had i don't know alan is there anything i missed or anything else you wanted to mention before we get out of here Nothing uh, specific. Uh, if you've got a uh, inkling that you haven't heard a couple of those names that were protected before, then uh, check out what I wrote up on on Tomahawk Take about those guys because that I wanted to find out about them too. And it turns out they got some stuff, and there's a couple of pictures that you might want to pay attention to in the next couple of years. So Brooks Wilson, William Woods. Not bad names to to file away in the back of your head there. Yeah, one thing I failed to to mention or talk about is the uh, it is awards week, and you had Corbin Burns win the Cy Young for the NL, and Robbie Ray for the AL, and then you had Otani win the MVP for the AL, and Bryce Harper won it for the NL, and Austin Riley finished seventh, Freddie Freeman ninth, and Ozzy Albies thirteenth. I was a little surprised that Austin Riley finished as low as he did. Thought he had a shot at at top five, but I think from a voter's perspective, somebody who wasn't watching the team probably doesn't really understand the value that Riley had pretty much picking up the slack of Ozuna and Acuna when they went down and, you know, being that type of guy in the middle of the order. But if you're just a voter and you're looking at numbers, I mean, his numbers are very comparable, (laughs) basically exactly like Freddie Freeman. So I don't know how you could vote for one over the other, because when you just look at their numbers are pretty much the same, but you know, as a Braves fan, Alan, it's, you know, you know how important Riley was, how they desperately needed, you know, somebody to pick up the slack once, you know, Ozuna was gone and Acuna went down. Yeah. And I think that the voting reflects the fact that, um, voters know about Freddie Freeman. They didn't really know about Austin Riley. They, they got an inclination because at the end of the year, uh, people are talking about Riley much more. So, that's probably why you got seventh, but at the same time, there's probably a little bit of vote splitting going on there. Had uh, Freddie not had a uh, decent season or gotten hurt or been out for a while, something like that, I, I think Riley definitely gets in the top five because he got a lot of consideration, a lot of ballots. I think he uh, was on 27 of the 30 ballots, something like mm-hmm. that. That sounds right. And uh, that that's pretty good. <laughs> So, uh, he's, he's not, not getting a lot of consideration this year, but if he keeps this up, he's going to be a perennial, uh, guy who's knocking on the door for that, that award, uh, kind of like Freddie Freeman has been. Yeah. And, uh, Fred, your guy, Ozzy Albies finished 13th. Your thoughts on the MVP or the awards, uh, that we've seen this week? 
Well, I sort of thought uh, Garcia was going to win the uh, Rookie of the Year in the American League. I'm not sure Rosarina was better than Garcia, but uh, the MVP in the American League was unanimous. Uh, Otani was always going to win that because nobody's ever done what he's done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, and I, it's a shame I, for Vlad Jr. too, because Vlad Jr. had a, a really good season. But you just—I mean, when Otani does what he does, I mean, you can't. Yeah, I, I, Vlad didn't win 15 games. <laughs> you know, yeah. he had a two-point, two-point something ERA. Uh, and I, you know, I understand why Austin didn't finish higher than he did. Uh, first of all, where he was in the lineup at the start of the season. And then you split and vote between Oz, uh, who had a good, and then, and Freddie and him, when you split the votes three ways, it does affect you at the end of the year. I'm glad he finished that high. I'm like Alan. He's going to be continuously up there over his career. Um, Burnus, I knew Burnus had to win the nationally. I know, uh, that, uh, statistically, uh, Wheeler had a better year, but Burnus took his team to the postseason. And I know people, oh, make no difference. Well, yes, it does. Yes, it does. The games are more important when you're out there and you're carrying the team to the postseason. And that's part of the reason Harper won the MVP is because he was the only one of the Phillies that they could depend upon hitting. And he carried that team until his legs just couldn't handle all that dead weight. And the the Phillies collapsed on top of him. But you, you can't blame Harper for them not winning because without Harper, they're in fourth place. So <clears throat> that's that's why Harper won. Uh, don't begrudge Harper that. Uh, it's, it's just it's one of these things that people are voting for the best offensive player when really that's the Hank Aaron Award, uh, and it doesn't get nearly the play it ought to get. And it's a, it's a shame that in a year when we're honoring Hank Aaron MVP, MLB didn't make make a bigger deal out of the Hank Aaron Award. Because that's really the best offensive player in the league, and that's Vlad in the AL. And and uh, you know it it's something that MLB needs to come in and make a statement about, and say, look, this is what this is for, and let let's make it important that Hank has his name on it. Let's make it just as important that Hank has his name on that as it is that Jackie Robinson has his name on the Rookie of the Year award. Those awards are important because those players were important, not just to the Braves and the Dodgers, but to the league as a whole. And I think that it's important that we educate people about how important it was and how hard it was for players like Robinson and Campanella and Aaron to come up and, and at the time they did and do what do the things that they did over their career. So I'm, I'm disappointed in that, but I, the awards pretty well turned out the way I thought they would. Uh, I, you know, I sort of thought uh, Luis Garcia would win the Rookie of the Year award, but in the AL, but that, uh, you know, I, I have no nothing against Rose Arena. I just thought Garcia did did more for the uh, Astros. Yep. No, it's certainly fair there. Uh, but that will do it for this episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Appreciate you listening. Please make sure that you go subscribe to the Tomahawk Take podcast. Make sure you follow all of us on TomahawkTake.com as well, where you can see all of our work in written form as we'll continue to cover this offseason for the Atlanta Braves and still hold on to that 2020-2021 World Series title. I'm not ready to let go and end those celebrations just quite yet, but do appreciate you listening to the Tomahawk Take podcast, and we will talk to you next time. This has been the Rule 5 Protection Edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast, which is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansunded LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. 
opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants, and while Minute Media allows us to sign all the talent we can use, we only keep the most productive writers on the roster. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Batty McFadden, which was modified to fit in the available space. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other musical selections used come via rights already purchased by TomahawkTick.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, and may your World Series merchandise arrive quickly and not be locked out. See y'all next trip. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save